Talking industry, topical debate from the world of engineering, automation, and manufacturing. A DFA manufacturing media production. Safety engineering and manufacturing, part three. Brought to you by Drives and Controls, the number one engineering magazine for automation, power transmission, and motion control. Visit drivesandcontrols.com. point that you made which kind of resonated with me was the the different challenges between new and um what what we call legacy machines don't we and um quite amusingly a couple of fridays ago i, I listened to a presentation and aaron did too actually um about why our um, uh, level of automation in the uk is is so poor relative to um, many other countries and one of the reasons put forward um and oral will find this quite interesting is is that we're very proud of keeping our old machines running whereas in germany they're very proud of their new machines and that was that was kind of a cultural difference and um i'm sure i'm guilty because i kept a ford anglia running for 35 years so maybe it's just in our dna um but um you know what do you see as the specific challenges mark of um of of introducing the new technologies to older older equipment well you, you i guess you just hit one of the nails on the head there andy you know we do rely upon and we have done for many years traditional hardwired systems so if you look inside the control system of, of most machines you'll find a hardwired safety relay or safety related control system that's that's separate to the automation layer and there is a there is a real good argument of why that's a, a good idea uh, going forwards but now we see, particularly in you know, safety PLCs, the cost of safety PLCs have come right down in price, the functionality has increased. Um, and, it's, and it's about us as a nation really kind of dipping our toe into that and not being scared of the fact that we can put safety components onto networkable architectures. Now in, in older machines, that causes, that causes a, a bit of a dilemma because there's a cost element involved, but it may be that it's, it's, it's planned in as part of an overall upgrade of the control system. So if, if the machine's being upgraded, if it's an old machine, generally there's a new automation layer that's being put in there. So let's think about having that as a safety or a configurable or a safety automation layer. And then think about the benefits of having those devices that aren't connectable. You know, Ian um, mentioned about wireless safety. Um, and I guess Ian, one of the challenges is that we are very traditional in our approach and our way of thinking. And if we've got a, a physical cable connecting this bit to this bit, if it breaks, we're all happy because we've seen we've seen the cable break and we understand what the outcomes are. But when we're looking at no cable, it's ooh, how does what? Uh, oh, should we do this? And and is someone going to put the name to that? That's the other thing, you know. Um, it's having that, I guess. Yeah, I think you're right, Mark. I think it, it is a cultural thing. We yeah. do like to see something plugged in. Um, I, I think sometimes, though, you you manage to get. Um, capture someone's imagination, you know, about Bluetooth and, yeah. and Wi-Fi at home. Um, not always a good thing, though. Sometimes, you know, because people get home and they can't get on the router because the kids are playing with their PlayStation, etc. You know, there's not enough spare bandwidth for you to see the news. Um, I, I think really because we're not in that kind of environment and and the link between is bespoke. That um, the type of structure and planning that you have for a network even retrofitting old machines has to be 
um, thought about and implemented pragmatically. Thank you. Um, Luke, you, you've, you've sat there patiently listening to uh, comments on new and old machines and also on the wireless safety. What's your take on that? Yeah, interesting, I suppose. Um, I think the last two years, 18 months, has actually solved some of our problems. So the shortage of supply has forced innovation in uh, these machines. We've forced supply chain changes. Uh, so uh, to build the same machine, you might have to switch vendor due to supply chain issues, or you might have had to simplify your machine. And that's where we're seeing um, through drives now, we have um, onboard functional safety on our drive with IO and logic capabilities. That can simplify the machine by removing safety relays that were previously used for a safe talk off. Um, we could even communicate to the controllers via these safe buses. The simplification there has allowed them to reduce their vendor set and then just worry about fewer components in their system. So I just think this last 18 months has actually forced up the hand of machine designers a little bit to, uh, to make those changes. Um, I like the idea of the wireless safety and that it, by removing the wire, you, you do actually have an inherent benefit. You know, the, the signal, as I said before, the signal now is digital. So we're not worried about whether it's a one or a three. We're just, we know it's a one and we know it's a three if it gets there. Um, I do think that we will have certain scenarios where just down to pragmatic robustness, you know, uh, noise and, um, you know, possible interception, as, as you said before, Ian, with, with flooding of wireless signals, then you just end up with nuisance trips and they can also be a safety hazard in their own right, because then we get used to going, okay, it's tripped again, it's reset, let's go, without actually fully investigating the source of that trip. Um, but no, you are right. We, we, we do a, a, a little go and have a look at the site first um, piece yeah. of kit with our broom handle with an aerial on the end. And, 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 and Ian, you pointed to the safety of the, the, the human inside the, the um, uh, needing the e-stop. Um, and we already know that there's issues with um, more chemical plants, I would say, you know, but humans actually being close to something. So if, if that signal for the measurement can be moved wirelessly, then they're not exposed to that chemical. So that that's there are safety benefits to that. Um, and with the RFID, I find that really interesting. But I actually find at control techniques, we've we've recently used um, NFC on our drives, near field communication, getting sort of 10 centimeters proximity to the device. I think that's that's just waiting to happen. Safety needs that because now we can start using NFC as a digital token to say, I am authorized to go and perform this action. Here, tap my phone, which has got my digital signature on to authorize that action, or you know, move more data than RFID can do on its own because NFC with powered devices can, can, can cope with that demand. So I think there's some exciting road ahead with wireless. Um, but I don't think um, 
I don't think it's applicable to all scenarios on the on the wider um, plant. Um, I do worry, Ian. You said eight hundred meters um, transmit distance, uh, and I can see the applications where you might want that. But I also know that um, there's a strong leaning in the non-safe world now for mesh networks where our transmit distance might only actually be 10 meters and we're really relying upon many devices across the plant for our message to hop from hop to hop to hop and and that has its sort of security advantages in that nature yeah absolutely i mean the, the signals that go up to 800 meters in free air and you know we wouldn't we wouldn't recommend any wireless safety without having first um, done a robust site um, site, site um, investigation, and, and also um, the, the, the particular product in question has the ability to work in three different modes. So we have one to many. Um, the signal gets there eventually and, and um, stops within a certain amount of time. That's the kind of a cardo thing when you've got stuff whizzing all over the place, and and when you press the stop button, they stop where they are. You have the kind of mesh network that you were talking about where each of the receivers can then resend that signal on effectively making their own net mesh network and and one to one and the one to one um I just did an uh, an ATV um design for a customer where I said they could use one to one or one to many and they decided actually on my users platform I would much rather have an e stop for each ATV so I know exactly what I'm stopping. So he chose individual one-to-ones for five ATVs. So he's yeah. got five stop buttons, you know. Um, so so really it's part of the design spec, the, um, the the initial risk assessment for the requirement and also implementation and, and what you see as a priority for your particular business. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I would like Dole to go to the next level and and what more can we do with wireless safety? And and I bang my fists on the table in Germany when I go and see him. Put, show me the roadmap. <laughs> can okay. I just look at one of the questions that's coming on the chat from Cbest? Um, I'm just I'm just, yes I'm just coming onto that actually. So okay. uh, so this is a good time. Um, I I I have a little voice in my ear that tells me you're you're dying to provide an answer. If yeah. if you wouldn't mind, I'll go to Oral first, and then I'll go to you. Yeah, second. sure. Okay. Um, and the question was, uh, how can end users introduce new technology and satisfy themselves that they are complying with the absolute duty associated with Regulation 11 of the poor regulations? Um, and it makes the point industry has had 20 odd years of conditioning to guard everything and stop everything. So uh, I thought you might like to just comment on, um, on the issue of introducing new technology and the compliance issues that it involves, um, bearing in mind technology is obviously ahead of standards, isn't it? And that's uh, that's one of the challenges we face. So, Oral, if you if you are happy to comment on that, and then I'll go to Mark. This talking industry episode is brought to you by Drives and Controls, the number one engineering magazine for automation, power transmission, and motion control. Visit drivesandcontrols.com. Well, I, I don't think that 
new technology necessarily conflicts with the regulation. So it's it's still valid that we have to protect the system. So um, I mean, uh, if if it if if the design is not intrinsically safe, we have to guard people from getting into the unsafe area with light curtain stuff like that. What I would like to bring into the discussion is something that um, an emerging trend in automation that we right now see, and it's underlined by by one or the other standard that is even emerging right now. Uh, one is uh, called MTP, module type package that we see in process automation and pharmaceuticals, which is emerging, is decentralized intelligence. And um, that somehow relates to this because um, we're focusing on, on decentralized intelligence. So we have we have devices that can be controlled by the central PLC through Profinet, Profisafe safety devices, but we have decentralized intelligence as well. So you can run on our our IP67 on-machine uh, block IOs and Mark brought the point that on-machine safety is really interesting. Um, run your own safety logic directly where the action happens. And that has two aspects. One is less latency. Less latency means the, the uh, guard distances can be shorter. So you can have your machine space um, decreased, smaller machine space because you don't need such a huge uh, guarding zone. And the other aspect is this system even continues to run if the other parts of the systems are compromised. So if, if for instance, the PLC is turning off, the decentralized intelligence in the field, even containing safety logic is still running. And that's a topic for safety and non-safety because that's, that's another dimension of, of networks that we will potentially see in the future. There's a, trend which which is just about to start to offload intelligence from centralized plcs to distributed systems and making small components smart which is um let's say foundational uh, infrastructure for adding digital services to subsystems as well and at the same time that that is part of a separation that makes compromising complete systems more difficult and adds to a certain extent security to those systems I hope I hope I didn't crash the complete answer on on his question, but I guess it's even possible. So we can make the guard zone smaller by using new technology while still complying with 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 the requirement, which is very old. And I added a few more, uh, let's say, dimensions to this conversation. I hope that's fine. Thank you very much. And and actually, I, it was a real curveball because I I should have said the work equipment directive for Germany, as as of course you don't have the poor. Um, uh, regulations uh, in Germany anyway. Mark, back to the central theme there. I know you're you're very keen to to answer that. Yeah, so um so Colin, uh, well CBS, thank you for the for the question regarding pure. Um, and if you look at you look at pure, the traditional use of work equivalent regulations and regulation 11, there is a, a clear hierarchy of measures that employers should take and and providing fixed guards is very high in that hierarchical list. And quite rightly so, because you know part of the risk assessment, unless you can inherently change the design, then you need to put those measures in place. So I absolutely put those fixed guards in, and I don't think anything will replace you know putting a fixed guard around something that's that's potentially going to cause harm. What what we're what we're seeing is is that the technology that's been historically used, such as lockout tagout, has been not glibly put in place, but incorrectly put in place and not considered around the actual type of intervention that's needed on that machine so if you make something far too difficult and cumbersome people will 
defeat it. They'll they'll try and get a workaround. You know, they'll take the the shortest path of uh, and least resistance. So what we see is absolutely with those guards, and we should stop everything. We should put those guards in place. But why have a, a really cumbersome system when you only need to stop the machine for a few minutes just to straighten the board up or wipe a roller down? But you need to do that safely. And if it's production, you, you know, the pressure of production on people is immense, and it's and it, it does take over, and it, it makes people make potentially irrational decisions when it comes to operating machines and doing that safely. So you know, let's take that out of the hands of the operator and give them you know really agile technology such as you know this kind of RF, I don't know if you can see that but RFID key in pocket type access control that that can be utilized in conjunction with other safety systems and fixed guards but to do that quickly and safely um, so we just see this kind of you know misuse of the technology um, really so if, I hope that answers Mr. or CBEST's question around um, Regulation 11 of PURE. Thank, thank you very much, Mark. We're, we're coming towards the end of our, of our time. Question here, which I will cover, um, and it's probably one for Ian. And then what we'll do is we'll just circulate and say, what does each of our speakers think is the next big thing in safety and security? And then, uh, and then we'll close after that. So a bit of time to think of that. Um, question really free and though um, can wireless safety achieve the same levels of safety as conventional wired safety? Um, simply yes. So um, PLE, um, CAT4, um, SIL uh, level three houses. So um, providing it's designed in the right way and implemented correctly, then yes. Great. Well, that's a nice, quick answer. And uh, Rob, if you want any more details, obviously you can uh, contact Ian uh, outside the call, and we'll we'll make that easy for you. So while you're on, what's what's the next big thing in safety and security, Ian? Um, there's been some interesting um, noises around um, the, the um, RFID. Um, so I've I've heard a lot of that. There's also been some interesting noise around secure bluetooth two-way um I, I think i think really i would like to see something in the standards that copes with the smaller business who, who haven't necessarily got um the kind of infrastructure that the larger companies have got um and um i mean ideally you'd want to be able to throw everything over 5g secure ethernet but i i think that that is too much of an ask really um, thank you so i'd like luke, an equivalent what would, you, what would your answer be luke to the next big thing yeah i mean i think we're going to see a push by governments on certain machinery um, applications demanding standards for cyber security which will then enforce that push all the way down to the vendors. Um, but my hope, honestly, is that we can um, find this happy medium where vendors can be fixing the holes in their system, providing updates which are secure, and that we can get to a nice point where um, machine manufacturers or operators 
have a process in place to take them, verify them and move on. Because unless we do that, then our systems aren't going to be safe anymore. They're more process than technology in, in Exactly, ways. yeah. I said it's the human yeah. that's the problem that's, that's solved yeah. it. Yeah, lovely. Uh, okay, Mark, your comment? Yeah, so, so for me, it, it's kind of one clear message, and that's networking. Um, I think that will only go in one direction, and that is forwards. So today, we see a real, real drive towards um, a product that we have, which is a, a gate box, multifunctional gate box, on comms, it's all in one area. Everything, push buttons, access control, locking, unlocking is done in one area, and that's network back at the PLC. So the benefit there is, is that your safety system is all in one space. The verification and validation is made a lot simpler. Um, and the benefits of that going forward from the data point of view, knowing what's going on, where and why and how um, are really crucial uh, to making processes more efficient. And, you know, hopefully stopping the need for these shorter term interventions that, that cause people harm. Thank you very much. And it comes round to you, Oral, for the, uh, the final word, final comment. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's just one big next thing. I think it's it's a constant process, an iterational uh, progress of, of improving the systems and networking, of course, is a thing. I think a, a big step was the integration of safety and non-safety, and this integration will continue. So namely, Profi-Safe, SIP safety running on the same uh, network. That will continue to trend. Um, definitely, IOLink safety will be a topic, and maybe in combination with wireless. So then we will have another wireless uh, safety system, which is which is excellent. Along the way, uh, those systems will have to face security, including safety and non-safe signals. So that will be an another part of the integration, and that that will definitely come. The six uh, two four four three will 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 be applied much wider and requested from customers, and ultimately I brought that up and that is something that drives many of our design decisions for years is decentralized automation with decentralized intelligence, smart subcomponents integrated into larger systems, orchestrate instead of program everything through, through integrators, and that combines safety security. And, and paves the way, in addition to that, paves the way for digital services of the future. And that is what, what we see coming, uh, not to mention single pay ethernet in between. So which, which will bring ethernet uh, down to, to even the lowest levels uh, in, in, on the shop floor. So that, that will potentially enable further devices to add industrial ethernet and safety to senders and actuators. Which, which clearly means that uh, there's uh, there's a whole big discussion that we've only scratched the surface of. So uh, uh, do feel free to come onto our LinkedIn uh, pages and continue that. Um, but for now, I'd like to thank everyone who's registered on and attended for your time. Uh, I hope you found it worthwhile and interesting. Certainly some of the comments in the chat suggest that's the case. And particularly, I'd like to thank Ian, Oral, Luke and Mark for their excellent contributions and their interactions um, during the last hour and a half or so. So thank you very much indeed. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again very shortly for the next Talking Industry. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Thanks as well. Have a great day. This Talking Industry episode is brought to you by... 
Driving Controls, the number one engineering magazine for automation, power transmission and motion control. Visit drivesncontrols.com. Thank you for listening to Talking Industry. Stay tuned across all podcast apps, follow us on social, subscribe to our newsletters and keep up to date at talkingindustry.org.